Welcome in to RJ Bell's Dream Preview European Soccer Betting Edition, Episode 7. I am Mackenzie Rivers, your host, my co-host here, Griffin Warner. How you doing, my man? I'm doing fine, you know. Uh, Champions League got started this week. We're going to cover a lot of that in this episode. Um, that's a very busy time for a lot of people uh, playing soccer, also me watching soccer, but there's a million games, matches going on. Um, literally can fill every hour of the day of the entire week just trying to catch up. Um, and I got to say, I'm, I'm somewhat pleased that I've, I'm keeping the, the good streak going. Uh, took a push last weekend on my best bet on this podcast on uh, TSG Hoffenheim, who uh, lost by a single goal to nil. It was frustrating. Um, but I kind of felt like that was a, a good grab. And uh, for those of you that, that grabbed it, as soon as I, we said it, uh, I would suggest trying to grab the, the plus ones as soon as possible. Um, sometimes you can wait for, for lineups and the numbers will drop and then um, you might lose a bet, which is exactly what happened to me there. But the, the number I was giving out uh, plus one on the podcast last week was a push, uh, which keeps me with only one loss so far this year on my best bets. And I believe that's Three wins, one loss, and two draws, I think, if I'm remembering that correctly. That is right. That is what I got here on my sheet, and uh, that puts you in a catbird seat. I did also incur my first loss, or I did incur my first loss. You did not lose. You pushed with Liverpool, and it was, um, I'd like to say I got unlucky, hit the post a couple times. I know heard a couple of people on a podcast talking about how uh, they really controlled the game, but they just didn't put the ball in the back of the net. That's not how I saw it at all. I had Liverpool. No? Okay. I had Liverpool laying a goal in a quarter. Um, they had some, like they had like like maybe eight half chances, but I never thought uh, they were they were likely to win or, or I mean, they may be likely to win, but not likely to cover. I didn't feel good about that bet. And I'd say in the zero zero tie, Everton had the best chance. Everton had their striker one on one with the keeper, and he just hit it straight at him. Liverpool never had such a clear chance, and. Uh, it frustrated me taking that loss on the chin because, uh, you know, a few weeks ago I mentioned I was reading this analytics book about how Jurgen Klopp's uh, Bundesliga side at Dortmund really struggled in 2014-15 and a lot of numbers guys really didn't understand it, but it was losing that main player had ripple effects that it was it was difficult to interpret through the numbers. And that main player back in 2015 is a guy I want to talk about a little later, Robert Lewandowski in the 2014-15 season for Dortmund. And in this season, it's Sadio Mane. And we're going to talk about the Napoli game, which was another horror show for Liverpool. But over the course of the season, they showed up twice uh, against Bournemouth, and then they had that late winner against Newcastle. That is when I jumped on the bandwagon, and it was the baddest, it was the worst time to jump on the bandwagon because uh, they regressed to the norm of the 2022-23 season for Liverpool. They, They were bad, bad, bad against Napoli. And uh, first of all, what's your take on that game? Is Napoli much better than we think? I mean, we were talking about this group and how it was Liverpool and it was either going to be Ajax or maybe Napoli. Uh, now Liverpool's really, I mean, we'll talk about their Champions League coming up, but they're, they're going to be in a fight uh, to win this group. So what'd you make of that matchup? Um, well, I'll start with the Everton match uh, and then because there's plenty to unpack here. Um, pretty much from where I sat with, with Everton and watching that match, I mean, clearly Liverpool with the better side. Um, Everton had a big crowd behind them. Uh, they weren't frustrated with being a clearly inferior side compared to their crosstown rival or even closer than that because they seem to be right a stone's throw from each other. 
Um, but to me, and when you're laying a goal and a quarter in these matches, you need to be really efficient with goal scoring in order to cover those type of numbers, which I think is why you'll see me playing a lot of underdogs. Uh, I try to, to stick within like closer matches because unfortunately over a goal, it really shows that there's a big discrepancy between the two sides. Um, but we saw Everton with a huge crowd behind them, backing them um, from minute zero to minute 95 or whatever the number was. And you, you mentioned the really big chance I think that Anthony Gordon had and he was unable to, to convert. And I thought, okay, that was Everton's one chance for the day. This is going to be great for Max best bet because Liverpool is probably going to get one and that'll get converted. And then they'll Everton will be pushing for a draw and it never really got there because Liverpool were never able to score that first goal. Um, from what I see with, with Liverpool specifically, because that's kind of the topic where we're going rather than Everton, who I know you, I mean, you know, I tipped them as potential relegation side and I still feel that way. I think Liverpool are just, as you mentioned, the loss of Lewandowski from the Dortmund side from a few years ago with Klopp. I I honestly feel like, well, they needed to move Mane on because his contract was was expiring um, at the end of this season and they needed to basically decide between Salah and Mane and they chose Salah, which I think everyone would have. But I think they've kind of, I don't think they, they... um, underestimated his value, but I think maybe the betting markets in the world have because unfortunately, he Darwin Nunez is a great talent, but he's very young and is a completely different player than what Mane is. Um, and and also, what Liverpool want to do is really based on a Mane style player with three mobile attackers, where Darwin Nunez is a lot bigger. He's not a defender, um, at least not yet in his career, uh, and I. Like Klopp's strategy to really pressure everyone and basically pressure you until you pop can't you can't really play that game right now. They're dealing with a lot of injuries, of course, but um, I, I have lots of concerns about them kind of coming into the year. I think the good performance against Man City and the Community Shield might have thrown us off a little bit, but um, I'm I'm like DefCon four right now uh, about them. I, I think they'll turn it around, but I'm very worried. Yeah, we're going to talk about Chelsea, and they lost their manager, Tuchel. He had a better winning percentage uh, this season than Klopp. I mean, obviously, not that many games, but Klopp has only won uh, these two games if we don't count the Community Shield. Uh, what do you make of the Napoli game? Obviously, 4-1 is probably uh, a little harsh on Liverpool and their performance. Expected goal, uh, expected goals had it as a narrow win for Napoli, but still 4-1. to one to start your Champions League. And just Liverpool in general, backing up a second, they were closer. They were much closer to Man City in the odds. Talking about how the futures market probably, if Liverpool was understanding how important Mane was, the futures market and the odds market definitely did not. Liverpool was minus, or was plus 250 to win the Premier League. Man City was minus 150. Last year, Liverpool was 5-1. to one. So they were considered much closer to Man City this year than they were last year, and we're seeing that that's not the case. But uh, what'd you make? I mean, how how much are they hurting in the midfield? Why do you think they lost four one to Napoli? Uh, they're hurting a lot. Uh, I do feel like Jurgen Klopp is a complainer, and I'd say this to his face: I, I love the guy. I think he's awesome, <laughs> but he takes every chance he can to complain about the schedules and the fixtures all being really convoluted, uh, and then any sort of injury thing he is going to speak to as much as he can. Um, but it's, it's true right now. I mean, Fabinho's an old man, basically he is, uh, he's filled in at center back and I feel like that's his better position. Probably Harvey Elliott, Elliott, excuse me, is, is just a really young player. That's really hard to trust. Uh, Carvalho who came in, 
He's young also. And so they're basically playing with no one in the midfield that they really want to play with. I think um, maybe in the future that those two younger, younger players will be important pieces for them uh, going forward in 2024, 25, and and maybe in years in the future. Um, But I think they have a big problem where um, I also feel like Virgil van Dyke looks really slow. Um, I don't know if he's like, over the hill necessarily, but he, I mean, the big challenge that he made on OC men stepping on his foot in the box, giving away a penalty that was not converted. Uh, but ultimately he never made mistakes like that. He would, he'd kind of be the center back version of, uh, N'Golo Conte from Chelsea, where he would essentially be able to cover for his, um, in, in Conte's case, it was a, a midfielder, but here it would be Van Dyke with another center back where he would basically make up for all these errors. Joe Gil- Gomez was awful. Um, and it's really hard to say like how he even stayed on the pitch for a while. Uh, but I thought the uh, Napoli match was actually, I-, I disagree with what you're saying that it was flattering to Napoli. I think a four, one final was flattering to Liverpool. It could have been six or seven to nil. I honestly, it, it was a, a joke of a performance um, I think because Liverpool are just seen to be this awesome, awesome team. And that's because they finished one uh, point behind Manchester City last season. And I feel like a lot of the betting markets are based on recency bias. And certainly there might be a, a swell the other direction now because Liverpool have looked so poor to start the year. Um, but I've started to believe, and, and I'm guilty of some of this too, because um, I really liked what I saw from them in the Community Shield. I just feel like they're really struggling with their opponents that aren't Man City right now. And that's the difference when you win a Premier League is you got to beat the bad teams. And Man City have clearly shown they can do that. Liverpool's struggling with everybody right now. And I felt like Napoli, I mean, it was a tough place to play. Uh, a crazy crowd. Serie A and Italian crowds are awesome. Um, they're certainly not as talented. They don't have as much money as the bigger leagues like the Premier League. But um, they came with it from ju- from the jump or from the kickoff. And Liverpool honestly looked like they were going to like work their way into the game in 15 minutes, go by, and then start playing. And they were already down 2-0 at that point, it felt like. Napoli has started off on fire in Serie A as well, to give them credit. Number one in expected goals, currently second in the table. Uh, spinning it forward, Ajax didn't look bad, didn't look like they were rusty, in their first Champions League game, they beat Rangers 4-0. That goes till next week. That takes us to next week where Liverpool is hosting Ajax. Uh, you'd have to think they want a result here if they have any chance of winning the group. No line out yet that I see, but uh, my projection tool makes it Liverpool a half-goal favorite. First reaction, I know you haven't fully handicapped both of these teams, but first reaction, Liverpool next week, half-a-goal favorite hosting Ajax. Uh, do you think they, that's when they start their turnaround? Um, so I wouldn't panic yet while I've said what I've said and I stand by it for the most part, at least I'm somewhat coherent at this hour, uh, of Thursday night. Um, but I, I think it's, believe it or not, despite only being six matches in the group stages of champions league, it's honestly a lot longer than you'd expect. Um, so one bad result, certainly it was lopsided and that's going to hurt their goal differential. Uh, but it's really all about points in this and really Liverpool, if they win all their home matches, they're probably going to win the group. Um, a half of a goal sounds really short to me, uh, to be frank. I think uh, Ajax, I mean, I'm, I'm relatively negative on Ajax at this point. I, I took Napoli to advance uh, at plus plus odds uh, in the group. And so maybe I'm a little colored by that bet. But uh, And certainly Ajax got off to a great start. But I feel like this is a, a match that Liverpool will come in very focused. Uh, probably should happen this weekend as well. Though I, I wonder about 
uh, with Queen Elizabeth II's death, if they're even going to play Premier League matches this weekend. If they don't, I feel like that's only going to be a beneficial thing for Liverpool to get their legs as rested and ready as possible because th- this is a serious match for them. It always was going to be, and they were going to play everyone they could, uh, but now it's it's really kind of buckle-down time. And uh, I, I'm, I mean, I actually certainly have talent. I just don't know that they have enough at Anfield to really play the the on the front foot trying to score trying to outscore Liverpool type of game because that's going to give a lot of opportunities to Liverpool and that worries me and I, I think it'll be closer to one uh, at the least. Ajax, better known as Ajax in no parts of the world, uh, but in my head a few weeks ago, so I corrected myself. Do you think you might be? hedging your bets because you have Liverpool in our Champions League draw? Do you think, oh, you're, you're just not going to count them out because they're like your number two pick in the whole thing? Uh, no, because I actually didn't <laughs> think about that a second ago. Uh, honestly, I'm not even sure who I picked. Uh, I don't know if that says something about concussions as a child, but I don't remember anything <laughs> at this point. Um, you also did get first pick, and so Man City was just gifted to you on a silver platter. So I could only do what was best for, uh, for me and my family after that. You got to do what you got to do for your family. That's what I had to do with with myself and my family. Man City, four zero, opening up against the terrible Sevilla. They can't they can't do any worse to start the season. And feeling pretty good about my plus two seventy five. Like you said, obvious favorite, obvious clear number one. And I won our little uh, game of chance, so I took them. Moving on in the Champions League, PSG, another one of my teams. They beat Juventus. It was a close game. They held on after jumping out to a two zero lead. Uh, what'd you make of that one? Um, I was most surprised by the uh, spread on the, on the match, actually seeing uh, Juventus who, I mean, are one of the most historic clubs in the world um, dealing with plenty of injuries. I'll, I'll give them that, but seeing them as a monstrous underdog as high as one and a half goal underdog on the road in the Parc de Print in, uh, in, in Paris, I, I just, that was a big surprise for me. And honestly, it was a big enough number and Juve are certainly are not off to a great start this season, dealing with injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm very disappointed in myself for not playing it. But that's also a little bit of scoreboard watching because they were able to uh, cover the spread with a late goal or a second half goal to cut a two nil deficit to two one. And they kind of held on for that loss, which I mean, if they needed the points, they might have even sacrificed their defense further. I feel like they probably should have done that anyway. Um, and could have seen a three-one scoreline from PSG. Um, I think from when I look at these ta- these teams, PSG are so talented; they've really not stopped buying. Where there's only a few teams that have really been spending a ton of money. Juve have certainly brought in a lot of players, but they've also sold a lot, and it's been a lot more of a kind of add what we can, but building for the future type of additions and transfer window. Whereas PSG are buying the best of the best and just reloading and restocking a, a lineup that didn't need it. Um, PSG look really dangerous. They don't have much competition, unfortunately, in the uh, Liga in France. And uh, I think I'm I'm in a situation where it's really hard to even want to look at PSG games at this point because betting against them, you're betting against uh, Mbappe, and that's honestly the most terrifying thing to bet in all sports right now. I think you mentioned how unfair it is in France in the league. Well, looking at FIFA 22 ratings, I did a quick query. Uh, how many of the top 10 players, ratings-wise, in League One, do you think play for PSG? <laughs> uh, I feel like you're setting me up for a 10 out of 10. Incorrecto, but you're close. 9 out of 10. Jerome Boateng from Lyon currently 
is ten is the tenth best player in France, and he plays for a different team. So yeah, uh, they're going to win the league. It's, I'm not I'm not breaking news here, but will they win the Champions League? That is what the their owner spent all that money for. That's why they have arguably the three best attacking players in the world. And we'll see. You know, one result, one win, probably closer than it needed to be. But it made me uh, Barcelona a team that I've been backing. Uh, they won easily in their Champions League debut. Barcelona started off five one in their Champions League. And Lewandowski got on the score sheet, and again, he has better than a goal a game. This is the third year in a row. Lewandowski is the better goal, uh, better than a goal a game, which is something that only Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo used to do back in the day. Lewandowski has joined that club, eight goals in five games for Barcelona. And then the FIFA 20, so I, I, I took note of that. You know, I've been betting on Barcelona, like Lewandowski, I just took note of that. And then I saw the 2023 FIFA ratings were leaked. And I've said on this podcast, I was excited to see for the first time in my life, it was not going to be Messi. It was not going to be Ronaldo. It wasn't going to be fat Ronaldo. And it wasn't going to be Figo back in 2003 FIFA. It's going to be somebody else. Somebody else was going to be the best player in the world by FIFA standards in 2023. I put my money on that being Lewandowski. Mbappe was also in the mix. Well, I was surprised to see Mbappe is number one. But Lewandowski got a downgrade from 92 to 91, despite scoring 50 goals last season and eight goals to start this season. So that didn't make any sense to me. So I want to ask you, uh, you know, someone that's been paying attention to the drumbeat of European soccer, uh, just a few of these players, upgrade, downgrade, and um, how accurate is the new uh, FIFA ratings? Because, you know, they come out and then they're kind of shaped by the market and uh, our own uh, disgust. Why does that I think a lot of people are saying Lewandowski downgrade doesn't make any sense. Uh, I bet they changed that uh, not before long, especially if he continues better than a goal a game. First of all, uh, I'll just ask you an open-ended question. Who do you think is the best player in the world uh, by your standards? You can use any measurement you want. Uh, Killing Mbappe, but he and Robert Lewandowski are very, very scary to bet against. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. And, uh, We'll see where it goes from there. But the way FIFA 23 does it, they did make Mbappe number one. Then there's a laundry list of people right next to it. And I think that's kind of why they did what they did to Lewandowski, because they want to keep selling the Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel (laughs) Messi rivalry as long as they can. So here are the list of 91s. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, who I probably, I used to say Conte, but he's kind of getting on in age. I'd probably say, I'm always a midfield guy. I'm always going to argue that I'm midfield. Because they, they're never going to get the credit. So I'm always the one backing them, thinking, you know, you know, they make the most impact on a game-to-game basis. Kevin De Bruyne is 9-1. Kareem Benza, Benzema, 91. Then Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, 91. Uh, I feel like two of those things are not like the others. But what, what, what's your take on, on just those, those top ratings? I think the... Uh... I mean, usually it should be an unbiased um, source of, of rating players in a video game system. But I, I feel like if Jerome Boateng is the 10th rated player in Liga, considering he hasn't played yet this season, I'm just not really a believer that they, they probably need to get a new staff um, <laughs> for the FIFA ratings uh, engine. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. It's funny. Cristiano Ronaldo dropped barely in the FIFA ratings. Uh, Marcus Rashford, minus four from an 85 to an 81. Bruno, Bruno Fernandez, minus three from an 89 to an 86. Jaden Sancho, young, young up-and-comer, should be improving year to year from an 87 to an 84. So they pretty much said, man, you sucked last year. They, fired, they got the, the manager sacked. It was everybody else, but not our guy, not, not CR7. So I've, 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 uh, I'll get off my soapbox. I think uh, you're right. There's some uh, 
I usually expect a you know objective thousands of people analyzing each of these players, each of their attributes, and coming up with something uh, grounded in reality. But you know, I, I took ob- objection to Lewandowski downgrade. He just had like the best season ever. It makes no sense. Anyway, let's talk about what does make sense. Let's save some money. You can do that with the promo code Euro twenty E U R O Euro twenty two zero. Get that at pregame.com. Just go there, get whatever you want. Maybe you want one of Griffin's baseball picks. You know, the NFL might have started. Yeah, let me check my, my, my calendar. Yep, NFL's in season. You can get any of Steve Fezzik, Hitman, all their plays on pregame.com. Best handicappers in the world, in my opinion. Uh, check it out, pregame.com. And you can save a little money there. Euro 20, 20% off everything only for listeners to the European Soccer Betting Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview, Euro 20. All right, Griffin Warner, I'll start with my best bet because, um, no, no, you won. You start with your best bet. Is that, that how it works? Uh, I got a push and you got a loss, so um, I will. Yeah, but yeah, so you're the winner of us two. I just forget every time, apparently. Does that, that gives you priority or do you want to uh, wait in the wings like the champion and the challenger has to go first? How does that work? Uh, well, in the in the world of golf, usually the the better score has the tee box, as they call it. So uh, we'll we'll play golf rules, even though I know they they postponed a, a round of a tournament today based on Queen Elizabeth II's death, which is uh, banana <laughs> land to me. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, actually the opposite uh, side that I, I I bet against for my best bet last weekend, and that is Borussia Dortmund, who. Um, I still have some questions about their uh, team in general, but they're a quarter goal underdog at RB Leipzig uh, in the Bundesliga this weekend uh, on Saturday morning. And I'm backing Borussia Dortmund as I believe that they are a much better team that have actually owned the Leipzig series until I think they had lost uh, one of the matchups last week, last year. And that was uh, a crisis season for Dortmund where they had absolutely nobody to play defense uh, for them. Um, and and they, they did lose that game, but I feel like they're going to get back on track, start a new streak um, against a club that they've really controlled for a long time now. Uh, Leipzig are a great story. I mean, coming from from nothing, essentially, from the third tier of the of the German uh, soccer divisions, I guess, and all the way to the, the top tier, winning a, a DFB Pokal or the, the German Cup tournament last season, and finally kind of putting themselves on the map. But they have a lot of expectations um, that they are not really living up to. Domenico Tedesco, their manager, has been disappointing to start this year. I was really high on them actually coming into the season, thinking they might be better than Dortmund and actually a challenger to Bayern Munich. But I, I just don't see that happening just yet. They're currently quarter a quarter goal favorite at home. And I just don't really believe that they can score on Dortmund despite Dortmund's defensive issues. And I especially don't believe they can outscore Dortmund. Uh, I trust Marco Royce. He's been so hot to start the year. Uh, and I, I really like this Dortmund team when you compare the two. So I'm going to back Borussia Dortmund getting a quarter of a goal on the road at RB Leipzig in Eastern Germany. Royce did splinter our hearts with that goal to, to give them that one Oh lead for the push. Fortunately, uh, what do you make of Timo Werner? He's back in Leipzig. Didn't work out in Chelsea. How's he fitting in back in the Bundesliga? Uh, there's a logjam in their forward positions at Leipzig, and it makes me think that Andre Silva, who's a really good player, likely plays for Portugal, maybe even starts for Portugal, depending on Cristiano Ronaldo in the World Cup. Um, but they've got a lot of bodies for the forward positions. Leipzig have been really strong because they're very deep, and I think that's going to help them a lot this season. Uh, I do feel like he's set up really well at Leipzig because the way they play gives him a lot of opportunities where 
Uh, at Chelsea, he just didn't have the opportunities because whoever was playing against Chelsea was sitting in a, in a, in a block uh, in the 18 yard box. And Timo Werner's best when he's running because he's so fast and he's not as great um, creating in tight spaces. And, and he has really one signature move, uh, a cut in on his right foot, uh, top of the box goal in the, in the opposite corner far post. Um, and I feel like someone in England uh, scouted that and figured out that's what he tries to do every time. I don't know if the uh, scouting systems don't work as well in Germany. I imagine they're still pretty sophisticated. Um, I think he'll have a good year, but that's a lot based on the competition. And I think the Premier League was, a, was too big of a step up for him at this point in his career. So we're taking Dortmund plus a quarter goal at Leipzig. I like it. Let's get that winner. Improve to uh, that would be four one and one for you. Nice job. Keep it going. All right, for my best bet, let me go Napoli, laying the lumber here, laying 1.75 goals. I mentioned it earlier, this team has started off on fire, number one in expected goals, and Spiza seemingly the opposite. They're bottom of the league in that department. And I've talked about this concept before on this podcast. When a team does what they did midweek, beats Liverpool 4-1, has that kind of statement, how are they going to do the next week? There's different philosophies. Are there, is there going to be an adrenaline drop-off? Or are they going to rise to the moment? Well, I think it depends on the character of that team. And this Napoli team, with their number one goal scorer, uh, a 21-year-old who I'm going to call Kavara. Maybe you know how to pronounce this guy's name. But uh, he's a phenom that I think is the kind of exciting player that will build on uh, a, a statement win like Liverpool for beating Liverpool 4-1. You know who I'm talking about, by the way? Oh, uh, so very, very hard name to pronounce. and not a name, It's like the hardest name I've ever seen. Not a name that a lot of people refer to. One of my one of my best friends, he actually just writes 77 because it's his number. He's <laughs> like, I'm not even trying to spell it. Uh, Kvartskelia, a Georgian. <laughs> what? <laughs> from not the state of Georgia, clearly. The yeah. country of Georgia. Uh, believe it or not, I've bet the Georgia national team a couple times. And he is money. Uh, certainly way better than I was expecting coming into the year. But he is lethal. And that guy, uh, my friend, same friend who's like, I can't spell his name. He's like, uh, no chance of betting against Napoli ever again because he's going to score four goals a game for the rest of his career. 77. I like it. Born February 2001. Number one in expected goals in Serie A. Yeah, I'm not betting against him. I'm betting on him because I think we're getting in on the ground floor on a great season up ahead for Napoli. Maybe not the ground floor, maybe second floor, because they've, they've, they've made some statements so far this season. But that's going to be my best bet. Laying the lumber, I know, but I think it's the best bet I see on the board. Napoli laying 1.75 goals. What do you make of that, my man Griffin? Uh, I'm pretty concerned about Spezia at this point. Um, they brought in a manager. That's good. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I, I really – Napoli are uh, – I've learned the hard way betting against them for the last couple of seasons that they can really throttle teams. And Spezia, um, they've always been a front-footed side, but – like newly promoted within the last three seasons. They've stayed up twice somehow, not really sure how, um, but they want to play offense and they're going to give Napoli a ton of space. Yes, sir. And I like their manager who was at Udinese and was more of a conservative guy a couple seasons ago. I don't know what the hell he's doing now uh, playing like balls to the wall, or if it's just like one of those things that it's hard to, to really, I guess, make your team change. Uh, maybe that's the difficulty. I'm not sure exactly what's happening here. But uh, I'm terrified to back Spezia plus one and three quarters. So uh, I like your side, basically. Awesome. So you're a dog better, and you're saying, well, I would, wouldn't would touch the dog with a 10-foot pole. So maybe that, that uh, that's 
that's backing for my for my favorite play here. And you mentioned uh, fast pace that Spets is trying to play. One of the reasons I like this play is because the total is almost three and a half. And Serie A, we often think of as a KG league. But with the number one goal-scoring team against a team that likes to get up and down, the market says we're going to get a lot of goals in this game. I expect uh, you know, the majority of them, probably three out of the four, to be in our favor and Napoli's favor. So that's going to do it for my best bet. Napoli laying the lumber, minus 1.75. My man Griffin's on Dortmund, plus the quarter goal. And that'll do it for Episode 7 of RJ Bell's European Soccer Betting Podcast. We will check you next week.